So when the half-breed breaks the rules, I deport their sorry ass straight back to hell. I don't get them all, but I've been hoping to get enough to ensure my retirement. I don't understand. I'm a suicide engineer. When I die, the rules say I've got just one place to go. You're trying to buy your way into heaven. What would you do if you were sentenced to a prison where half the inmates were put there by you? I guess God has a plan for all of us. God's a kid with an end farm, lady. He's not planning anything. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse! Welcome back, y'all. We're here. We're going into the fringes. We're in the early 2000s. Mid. Full, full mids. Full mids. Is, wait, is the, I think, is the aughts the 2010s? No. No, the aughts is the... Like zero, zero. Zero, zero. Ah. Well, yeah, here we are. We've, we've hopped in the time machine back to an era of superhero movies that we've covered before on the show. We've done the your, your Batman Begins, your Fantastic Four, your... What else have we? Oh, your Hellboy. That was a year before this. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. When was The Crow? The Crow was in the 90s. Oh. That was late 90s. Yeah, so a little, little bit off. A little darker. What about little grimier. Blade? Blade is also late 90s. First really? Blade is 99, I think. Both of those 2000. movies were coming up for me watching this. For sure. I think... Mostly, who made a comic out of this? That was my number one question, was what was the comic like for this movie? Well, uh... That's that. I feel like that tells you a lot about this. So, I don't know much about the character of Constantine. We were talking about this before the movie, and looking around to do some research, I saw that Constantine originated in the Swamp Thing comic back in the '80s, which at the time was being written by none other the than the Catholic Church. <laughs> this movie feels like it was produced by the Catholic Church. No, it was not produced by the Catholic Church. Are we sure? It was, in fact, uh, created by Alan Moore, who was the guy that did Watchmen and Batman the Killing Joke, V for Vendetta, among others. That makes sense. And not that I've seen that. But. This is a man who has a history of you know creating characters and stories like this. Definitely. I love when the, sentences start with, this is a man who... Well, and also... It, it, Look at look at this picture of him. He is like notoriously like very just not a big fan of any of his stuff being adapted. Um, and it's unfortunate that so many of his works have been adapted at best in controversial ways. I mean, I guess people like V for Vendetta, but I don't think there's a single one of them that he's liked, including this. He refused to have his name put on this at all he didn't approve of it whatsoever why are people making them then because he doesn't have who the asked for to this it. movie to be made uh that's a very good question the catholic church you may be right this felt like a very divine movie for better or worse well i i think you're right and i do think it's like it was some I don't know propaganda if the catholic church would let the gabriel thing happen 
I'm pretty sure Gabriel's whole thing is that he like fell from grace. Oh, okay. I have no idea about like any of the religious allegory here. I don't as know. The, as Gabriel, the Catholic on the pod. There's please. a Gabriel thing with like Jesus being born. I don't quite remember it, but I feel like Gabriel's not that great mm. historically. Gotcha. You know, well, in the history books, aka the Bible. I wouldn't be surprised if Alan Moore was writing the original series that Constantine was from called Hellblazer, uh, kind of like as an examination of that, because all the other stuff that I've seen or read by him definitely like uses superheroes to tacker, tackle deeper undertones. So I think that's exactly what's happening here. Um, and I also saw that this was originally supposed to be, they're aiming for a PG-13 rating. And they got an R rating. And the really? director was like, I think it's because of the religious like overtones. Like it, it But why would that be rated R? The Exorcist I don't even think was rated R. Well, I don't think the Exorcist was rated R because I don't think there was an R rating. I know, that came, came after um, I think it would have been. I think it um I mean I don't know if that's one hundred percent it. It doesn't seem like an R rated movie at all. Um like violence wise, you know. I guess I can see like where some it's of this coming gruesome. from. Yeah, but if there's this, not a lot of blood. I'm not sure if this came out now, it would be rated R. I think this would get a PG-13. Oh yeah. Um, so things have changed a little bit, and the idea that it would be the religious overtones that would bump that up is interesting because it kind of recontextualizes some of it, like having the the demonic entities and talking about like heaven and hell and stuff. I don't know. The MPA was probably like. People are going to get upset if we don't rate this R and then they bring their like teenage kids to see it. We're never going to hear the end of it. Look, I'm like half joking about the Catholic Church, but I'm 99% sure the Catholic Church like fully endorsed the movie The Exorcist. Really? Yes, because it's like putting like priests as the hero of the movie. <laughs> I mean, that's not quite the case in this, but that's I mean, you can fact check pretty that. Wild. But that's pretty wild. Uh, I mean, I would believe it. That seems like some shit that they would like. Do. It increased people joining the Catholic Church, I think, because I get to do exorcisms. No, because they think it's going to protect them. Oh, so they're like the Catholic Church is going to save us. That's so wild. I I I could be mischaracterizing, but I think I'm not off base here. I wonder if anybody thought that after they saw this movie. <laughs> I do not feel safer watching this. I mean, I've never seen The Exorcist, so I don't know how I'd feel then, but. Interesting. So, and, you know, I've never seen The Exorcist. I would really like to. It was supposed to be rated X. Um, yeah, this was before the, it was actually before the PG-13 rating. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. that I gotta... came after Temple of Doom. They created the PG-13 yes. rating. Yes, I got it mixed up. Um, <laughs> there's a purported curse on the film. Very interesting. There's, wow, holy shit, the Wikipedia page for The Exorcist. Has, there's a lot going on there, which is not surprising at all. I think they more like they did condemn it, but I think that there was an increase, definitely an increase in exorcisms and priests volunteering to do them. <laughs> that's wild. Well, that's what happens when you get into the religious baggage, which there are still like priests that do exorcisms to this day. Pretty sure that shit is so wild. And like 
it it's kind of a schism, I think, in the church. Imagine being like, oh, what's your day look like today? Oh, yeah, no, I got to go perform an exorcism later. Like, that's, mm, well. That's why. A lot, lot to say about that. But let's talk about the movie instead. Well, we start with an exorcism. We do start with, actually, no, we start oh, with a yeah. spear of destiny, uh, which is presented to us in Calibri light font for some reason. They cheaped out on the on the fonts in this movie. <laughs> they didn't have an interesting one. Um yeah, we're told that the Spear of Destiny has been missing since the end of World War II. And actually, this Spear of Destiny prop was used in Hellboy. Fun fact. Hellboy came out a year before this. I guess they just had it laying around somewhere. And also, this movie was supposed to be called Hellblazer. But they're like, Hellboy just came out. We can't call it that. Abort. That would be very confusing. Yeah. So, they had to do what they had to do. But I just thought that was a fun connection because... Definitely, like, I, Has in addition to the ones... similar overtones. Yeah, and along with the ones that you mentioned earlier, being Blade and the Crow and stuff, it's got a lot of that DNA of the the darker side of comic book movies at that time. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something that has, like, kind of gone away. And, like, way more supernatural. Yeah, yeah. We're not just dealing with, like, supervillains or criminals. We're just... This is literally just demons from hell. Very doom um, and immediately, you know, with, with the scene with the exorcism, uh, I didn't know how much this was going to lean into the horror vibe. I was like, are we going to like stick with the horror vibe? Is it going to start out that way? And then we're going to pull back because like Constantine's going to be like super powerful and he can fight the demons, which he can. I feel like he's not that powerful. He's not, he's not, he's like kind of competent. And you know, he does get a scene where he's like mowing down a bunch of demons, but I would argue that it. But, like, it's skill. It's not, like, natural. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he was born as a professional demon hunter. I do think it definitely got a bit more action-y. Not surprising. But I thought it still did a pretty good job of keeping some of the horror elements through the entirety. Is it supposed to be? It's, like, called, like, a superhero horror. You know, I don't... I wouldn't say it's a horror movie first and foremost. But I think just, like, the nature of what is being dealt with makes it. Um, yeah, I mean, we're. It's just. It's weird. Horror is weird when it's not. When it's like graphic, but it's not bloody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But that's not really. I was just kind of wondering that myself because I haven't seen too many movies that have tried to like play with that. I mean, Bleed did Blade. a little bit, and Blade had a lot more blood. I would say Blade more did. so. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was because they they went into that being like, this is going to be like a super violent R-rated movie. And in this, they were probably like kind of tiptoeing around some things, but then it ended up just being rated R anyway. I think they like wanted to do a lot with this movie. Say more about that. I think they were introducing a lot of ideas and didn't see them all through. Like, what would you, what's one that, I agree, but like, what's one that you say, like, kind of got dropped off? Number one is the Shia LaBeouf yeah. plot. Also, every other note is just like, oh my gosh, this person's in this movie, starting with Shia. Um, was very shocked to see him in this. Um, not that I knew anything about it, but I was just like, oh my gosh, there's Rachel Weisz, there's Tilda Swinton. Um, Shia LaBeouf. Jaiman Hansu, who's been in like every 
He was in Guardians. He was in um, Shazam. You know, that guy, oh, that guy pops that up guy. in fucking yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually saw something about how he's going to be like, he's. I think he has an upcoming movie, or he did. Um, someone was like, he's going to be in an adaptation of so many different comic book in, like it's not just Marvel and DC. Thing. He did like this is an imprint of DC. This is Vertigo, and then he was in The King's Man. That's also like based on a comic book from like one of the other imprints. Like he just he gets around. Good for and him. It's always a delight when he shows up. Um. Anyway, so I think the Shia LaBeouf thing needs to be fleshed out more. Also, like the story that they wanted to tell about Rachel Weiss, I think, and her sister could have been. I could have done with more. And, like, them being able to see things. Like, we never actually get it from her point of view. That's true. That's true. And, like, she has this whole thing at the beginning when her character is first introduced where she's, like, going to confession. Catholicism. Um, (laughs) And she says, like, I killed someone else today. And I just, like, always know where to find them and how to shoot them exactly. And that plot, her being a detective, like, killing a bunch of people on the job, never returned to. We barely return to the fact that she is a detective. Well, yeah, I think that's like the way I interpreted it was like you see it as in the audience being like, oh, shit, like she's a murderer. And then I think it's more like she killed someone on the job job. and it was probably like something where she wasn't, you know, like they were like, oh, like, good job. You you right. No, I get what they were saying in that. But I just mean the fact that like. That has to do with her supernatural ability. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, why else would they say that? Right. And then, yeah, just her not ever, we're not ever seeing it from anyone else's point of view, I guess, is weird. True, it is kind of weird. Yeah, it's a little um, half-baked, that side of things. I think the Shia LaBeouf is just totally wanting to get him in this, like, while he was a hot commodity, and then be able to bring him back as a sequel hook because... We are, this is the prime era of Shia. I mean, like, Transformers hasn't even happened yet, so maybe not. Where's that sequel? Uh, It's coming. It's coming. Where's Shia? Shia is probably not going to be in it. He's not in good standing in Hollywood right now. He's in the middle of Spitgate. He's also an abuser, allegedly. Um, But yeah, I feel like the, well, anyone involved in Don't Worry, Darling, I think that is its own microcosm of craziness that we will not know the real machinations of until someone writes a very long form investigative article about it in like another year. Have you not been on Twitter? Uh, I've seen it, but I don't trust any of it. I need Olivia Wilde to come out with a tell all. Um, But I do think that's why he was here. Yes. And (laughs) at any cost, they were going to have him in here. But yeah, I didn't, I had no idea. Like I pulled up the page for this before we watched it and I saw, you know, Rachel Wise and a couple other names. Did not see this Shia. This is like a classic Rachel Wise movie. Yeah. Very much like The Mummy. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. She saw this script and she's like, I'm in. Yes. What a, what an interesting career she's had, huh? Um, I know I'm bouncing around, but. Classic. Classic ass. We start with. After that beginning part, then we start with an exorcist, mm-hmm. which I thought was good. Yeah. I thought that was like the story, like, cause I knew it had to do with these like sisters. I didn't realize that was just a preamble, a yeah. prologue. Just a rando. Just seeing him do his work. Yep. Just I liked the, the mirror trick. Yeah. The mirror trick was cool. 
is very, very clever. And I just, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm assuming that someone like Alan Moore probably was like writing this comic and was like, I'm imagining him like having one desk with all of his graphic novel shit on it. And then another one where he just has like the Bible. piles of, yeah, the Bible. Um, he somehow obtained a copy of the Bible that they have in hell. Uh, and just yeah, like a 17th bunch of, Corinthians. Yeah. Everyone knows by heart that there isn't a 17th Corinthian. Yeah. I knew that. If you're Catholic. Yeah. I mean, Methodist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought that was, that was really cool and it was, it was cleverly done. Um, I like all of the gimmicks for the most part in this better than I liked in Blade. <laughs> no, there's no onion bullets in this one well, or garlic, garlic. garlic bullets. Like the Blade bullets. one, and it's not their fault, but it's just like the whole vampire thing is already so gimmicky. Yeah. And then they're like, they were just very like, oh, that's, that's a myth. But this isn't. This, they don't even like do that. They're just like, this is what works. And they don't go over the top. Yeah, they're not doing garlic bullets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it definitely approaches it in a more like open ended way, kind of like a, and it you know I know they had the scenes where the Constantine holy water is coming like, out of the that was very late, but you know they didn't really have like you mentioned Whistler when we were watching this and like. I feel like there were a lot of scenes in Blade where they were like sitting down and being like, all right, here's how we kill a vampire. It's like, remember, you got to use a stake. It's like all that shit. They set up the world more. Mm -hmm. I could have used a tiny bit more rules of this world. Yeah, me too. But I guess, you know, one, I don't really trust that they would have been able to like write that in very smoothly. Not even of, like, the real world, because that was very clear that most people think that people that see demons are, like, crazy. Like, that's not believed, like, kind of normal to this world. The reverse whatever plain old world, they did try and explain, but I still don't know what's going on. Post-movie, still very confused. Yeah, I mean, as, as the rudimentary understanding that I got was just, like, God... And Lucifer were like, hey, let's see who can do the most. Like, who can exert the most influence? Like, let's see what happens. And they just, like, kind of, like, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was very loosey-goosey. And I know they're not, like, allowed to do anything more than just, like, influence people. Um, like, what does that mean? Right. I don't know. Yeah. But we'll get to that, I think, towards the end. But, well, part of that, actually is at the beginning here, so there's this, like, priest that's, like, the one that calls John Constantine in, in case you didn't know what his name was during the movie. They say, every character says John so often. Yeah, I think this would be a really good drinking game. The only rule is... You would be dead. Drink every time someone says the name John. It was just so strange. Like, you had Chaz being, like, John. Hey, John. Like, get in the car, John. And then Rachel Wise, John. 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 <laughs> she had a lot of lines like that. Um, anyway, the priest is like the one that calls him in. And then their relationship is very odd. We understand that the priest has like his own <laughs> pun intended demons. <laughs> he's drinking and then he's got the amulet. And then John is like, take that off for a while. You don't need it. Bye. 
What was that? Also, what was he like alluding to? I don't know. I was so confused by that conversation. I made a note of it because I'm like, I'm sure they're going to come back to this. And I think they did. I just don't know what they were coming back to because he's not wearing the amulet when he dies. And I think that's John's fault. Was the, I guess like the amulet was, was it preventing him from like using his power? Maybe. And I feel like that was John being like, hey, deal with it. Like learn to live with it. Stop like drowning yourself in alcohol. I'm going to take this. And we'll like reconvene later. And then he never really had a chance to do no, that. No, he still had the amulet, the priest. He just took it off and handed it to him. Oh, okay. Well. Took it off the priest and then put it in his hand. Right, right. Well, I'm not 100% on that. I think you might be right, though. Because I, I mean, I also, ob- that character was so obviously like dead meat. Dead on <laughs> as, arrival. As soon as I saw him. But I did think that the uh, the priest with alcoholism is an interesting thing. I like the the troubled not priest that interesting archetype. You know, it's kind of standard. No, I guess you know. I just I, Irish I, Catholics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you only goodness? I just think like the troubled priest or like the priest that's not really that like like it, it makes you think of a uh, flea bag. Like, the guy's like, hey, yeah, I'm just, like, trying to do my job. But also, it's like, I'm just a guy. Pedophile. You know, whatever. Just... Thanks. Well, you're not wrong. I just feel like you're describing reality. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to go that way, but you're not wrong. Uh, also, I didn't even think about this at the time. I don't know how. And so much Daredevil vibes with the whole Catholicism thing. I mean, not really. That's no, probably why I didn't think of it. No, there's not enough Catholic guilt. There's not enough Catholic guilt. Well, he does have guilt. He does have guilt, but it's not the same. Because Gabriel's telling him to feel guilty. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like, I don't think of, throughout this movie, I didn't think of Constantine as, like, a, a struggling Catholic. He just has, like, some real shit going on, and that's not, like, from his religion. He's like a Catholic by circumstance because he's like in the occult. Yeah. He has to deal with this shit all the time. So, of course, he's hanging out with priests. Matthew Murdoch is just like a self-torturing yeah, Catholic. Know, yeah. For sure. Um, also talking about, we talked about how cool the mirror trick was. There were a couple visuals throughout this film that I enjoyed a lot. And one of those was uh, Isabel falling off the like building into the pool. Um, I thought that was really just like, well done. Like I clearly, a lot of the cool shots in this are like CG composite, but knowing what this movie was and then it came out in 2005, I thought it was going to look a lot worse effects wise. And some of it was a little dated, but overall wasn't mad about it. No, I, think, I thought it looked good. I think the most poorly aged part is like whenever they're in hell. Yeah. But like, that's hard to get right. I don't even know if they could do that right now. Um, some other blade comparisons. They've got a black market weapons guy. Obs. Classic. At first I said that guy was like the cue of this movie, but Whistler is definitely a more apt comparison. Then there's like a weird council yep. of like Catholics, they I got, guess. They got a cool building. I don't know that what that was about. I like... I totally agree 
that like a lot of the elements of this are like underdeveloped. And at the same time, whether it's intentional or not, I like that it's like we don't really know what's going on. Like we're we get to that place the same time as Rachel Wise and she's probably like, what the fuck is going on? And he's just like there, like it's just business as usual. And we're like, what is this? Like what, what like underbelly of the world is he operating in? And I think that's cool. This is just some of my notes. What kind of comic is this? Is the Catholic church behind it? (laughs) And then weird council tilde WTF also Catholic church death behind this. Like, it's just, I'm just seeing it over and over again. Also, so there's two major themes for me personally. Become a Catholic. Don't smoke. This is an ant. This is what this movie is actually about. Huge anti-smoking campaign happening here. I heard something on a podcast the other day. I think it was Brett Goldstein from Films to be Buried With. He said, most movies, like, you know what they're about because of what they talk about in the last five minutes. Like that tells you what the movie was like trying to say. And the last thing is that he's like cured of his lung disease and is chewing nicotine. And like, that's the moral of this movie is don't smoke and become a Catholic. (laughs) I mean, you know what? I think you're right. Because God will save you. Like that is the whole crux of this movie. It's true. Although Lucifer did and God tried to save him by killing him and bringing him to heaven. And then Lucifer actually saved him, but at what cost? He's testing him. Yeah. Very interesting. I kind of just um, totally realized that the anti-smoking message, like, big time. From the jump, like, they instantly are like, oh, yeah, he's got lung cancer, and that's going to kill him. Um, Not all the demons that he's fighting. This also... If I'm correct, came out like at the apex of like the truth, like anti-smoking, the what's your anti-drug campaigns. Remember those? No. I couldn't get away from the truth commercials. Are they, they were, like, like got all the magazines milk? that I read. Because that's what I remember. They were, they were like, that was the got milk ads of not smoking. I just remember the t-shirts that say, that are like animals with cigarettes in their mouth. And it says, it looks just as stupid when you do it. And I thought that was the greatest shirt in campaign. It's pretty good. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, yes. And I wonder if it's from this place. Anyway, that was like very popular around. We, this came out when we were in like fifth grade. So that's exactly what I am thinking of. Um, like you already mentioned, I, I will not reiterate the stacked cast, but I also... Tilda Swinton's introduction from the jump is fantastic. I thought she looked a lot like David Bowie with the haircut that she has as Gabriel. And also her delivering the one F word in this movie, just being like, you're fucked. Oh, yeah. That was fantastic. Like, I was like, oh, I I like this. (laughs) No, they got the one. I thought she repeats it. I I feel like they repeat a lot of lines. I don't think that one was repeated, though. Because if they were trying to make it PG-13, that's a rookie mistake. Um, I just, like, I don't, honestly, this movie never really fell off for me. Um, I thought it had, like, a really good opening, though, just getting everything set up. It was very intriguing, all the stuff with, like, 
Rachel Wise, oh, is she having a dream or is this like a vision? And so, oh, it's her sister. Yeah, I liked the whole intrigue, how they unfolded the plot, and then we just keep cutting to this guy like running across the globe. Yeah. Just doing his just, thing, just killing doing his cows. Thing, as you do. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird, but clearly just like an impending sense of doom. It was was he also operating like the how many plagues were there? Is that what it was in the Bible? Because I know there's no like, flood. There's no flood, but I also know that there was like the one that was like the swarm of locusts, right? Yeah, that was the Men in Black shit, in my opinion. When Demon died. Yeah. Yeah, that shit was. But I don't think that had to do anything with the knife guy. Well. No, I guess not. But to me, that was like, oh, are, are these two things related? Because I thought it was like some. I mean, I think they're shit. all just like Bible references. Yeah, yeah. Um, real classic or move. hell Bible references. Classic hell Bible. I love how matter of factly is like, yeah, you know the Bible in hell. Um, the bar full of demons is just like a classic. Classic. Move. Like blade. Blade. Really, any, like, Marvel has one that's never been in the MCU. It's called, like, the bar with no name. It's, like, where all the villains hang out. It's, like, that's just the classic trope. So, have, like, this seedy place. Like, the boys had it. Of course the boys did. Um, just thought that was great. Uh, Father Midnight, or is that? Right? Midnight. Just Midnight, yeah. yeah. Love that. Papa Midnight. Papa that's, Midnight. What, that's what Jazz uh, is talking about. Yeah. And then, yeah, we get introduced to the, the guy, Balthazar. Every... Like, demon-related thing has to have a guy named Balthazar. It's a rule. Classic. I mean, they came through. This guy was a fucking creep. I also really respect how well he delivered the line, finger-looking good. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure there's a Balthazar in... Um, Charmed? I know there's one in Charmed, but I think there's one in Blade, and there might be one in Hellboy. I, I think you're on the money. Gotta have him. That's a stipulation from the Catholic Church, actually. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to say about, like, overall in this movie, it feels very modern. Like, the way it's shot, like, we were saying before we started, like, you know, in 2005 there was Fantastic Four, but there was also Batman Begins, and this feels more, like, on the side of Batman Begins, like, yeah. a little bit more timeless. Um but the plot feels so dated. Yeah. Like, that's the problem with this movie, is that it looks good. Like, I think the acting's good. Um, the effects are good. It's just, like, what is this plot that we're putting in, like, modern day? Yeah, I mean, I wonder how, like, if they were to do this now. I mean, I know they're doing the sequel, but if they were to reboot this... How would they be able to tell this kind of story and not have it feel dated? How do you I do don't that? know how they're including the Catholic Church in the next one. Like, it's so, like, it it's so messy. I think they'll probably just not even mention it as much. I don't see how you can. I don't know. The whole thing is, like, this fight of heaven and hell and... God's plan and all this stuff of like, you know, demons and angels. I bet. And maybe. Maybe Robert Langdon's going to be in the next one. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 
That's Does the, everyone get that reference, Angels and Demons? It's the crossover that everybody's been asking for. Um, maybe they'll have it like turn on its head somehow, and it's like, I mean, they should honestly just cast someone as God. Don't don't do this. Oh, we see Lucifer, but God is just this effervescent light. He source. says, "I want to see him." I'm assuming he was trying to go to that weird place. Well, let's uh, let's see God. I and don't then know. Pull like a God of War and be like, "Oh, this guy is." He's got the wrong idea. That plot's been done so many times. Like, how many times can Morgan Freeman play God? I'm not talking about Morgan Freeman. I don't know. I have no idea. I I just have a feeling that, like, they will probably just try to focus it more just, like, on the idea of demons and maybe move away from the religious part. It's either that or they lean way further into it. It's going to feel like an episode the, of Supernatural. I don't know. I've never seen Supernatural. I've seen enough. There's probably Balthazar in Supernatural, isn't there? There definitely is. Um, I really like comic book names for mental institutions. And it wasn't until like I was looking for other examples, because they say this one's Raven's Scar. Oh, and I'm God, like, that's that like, come classic. on. And then I was like, oh, what was the one that they had in Venom, Let There Be Carnage? And I'm like, it's literally Raven's Croft. Which one came first, guys? Same universe. I guess. That's funny. Um, I could see that. I mean, those are just like, they're like, oh, what's spooky? Oh, a raven. Yeah, put it in there. I was trying to think of the other ones. I mean, obviously, like Arkham Asylum. Oh, and there was another one from Batman 2. What is it? Wait, is it Ravencroft? Oh, I don't know. That's a different universe. I know, but there is, um, yeah, it's, it could be Ravencroft. It's just, there's one that's not Arkham, I don't know. Also, I did enjoy that the cat is the, like, entry into hell. Looking into a cat's eyes. Yeah. I mean, if you ever looked at a cat, it's not really that surprising. <laughs> We're not really cat people on this podcast. Do I think every cat is a gateway to Lucifer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to let you hang out on that limb. <laughs> Yeah, I, my next note was literally, what's the deal with the cat? Demon cat? Oh, shoes going in the pot. I also wrote down, God's a kid with an ant farm. Oh, that yeah. That was a quote. God's a kid with an ant farm, lady. He's not planning anything. <laughs> great, great quote. I was just like... That doesn't feel I very Catholic that. church to me, though. Yeah, but the whole point is that... Like, God still comes in at the end. Like, he needs to be saved. True, That's true. the whole thing. Yeah. He needs to be saved from smoking, and he needs to be saved from his sins. Well, well I would love to see, you like... You clearly a... weren't listening to the homily. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I would love to see, like, a real, like thorough breakdown of this uh the catholic themes i mean they're pretty I surface just broke it you're, down. you're giving it to me um when they're in hell or rather when constantine is in hell going to find isabel which i really liked the idea of like how like the difference of time passing yeah i did it too. reminds me of like how the upside down was done in the fourth season of stranger things that was a little different, but it was yeah. like you go there and it's like set it in a different Upside time. Down. So like he's able to go to hell and see Isabel like as she's jumping off the building and be able to like 
have a tangible item that she had when she was dying, like inexplicably brought back at a different time. And there's also like these hell demons that we see and they totally look like the monsters, the clickers from the last of us. Uh, or don't talk about that game or, uh, liquors, not clickers, liquors from resident evil two. You saw those when I was playing. Yeah. They also look like creatures from the, from hell. No, from stranger things. Oh yeah. The the demogorgon. Yeah, totally. Or demo dogs. Pretty gnarly. Also pretty gnarly is the priest who, God bless him. I don't remember his name at all. I don't uh, even know if we get his name. John? I feel like he, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> That's why it's just multiple Johns. I'm trying to think of like the most Catholic name and all I've got is Patrick. <laughs> I'll just call him father. Um, father Pat. Poor guy fucking stigmated himself in a liquor store. That's no way to go out. And he drowned himself. Yeah. In liquor. Pretty, pretty wild. I mean, very uh, cruelly poetic way to die, that's for sure. I don't really get how he died. Like, what did Balthazar have to do with it? Like, did he break the rules? I feel like he definitely was, like, doing some demonic bullshit. Because, like, some like, he was, like, trying to drink it, but it was, like, disappearing, right? Right. So I think it all just, like, instantly went into him. No, I think that was right? in his head, oh. which means that somebody was like messing with it. Well, Balthazar like was in his definitely... head, he wasn't drinking it, but he actually was. Yeah, very sneaky. I also like kind of had suspicions. I mean, they make it pretty clear that like they don't talk too much before the middle of the movie about Constantine's background, just that he's been doing it for a long time, and like the doctor in the beginning is like, "Oh, twenty years ago, you didn't want to be here." Uh, and now, like, you... It's basically, like... I, like, missed like, that reference. Like, I didn't understand that that's what they were saying at the time. Yeah, like, now he's, like, not... Doesn't want to die. So yeah, because he hasn't paid back his debt his to debt, God. Right. And so now I, I thought it was interesting that I was like, oh, so he actually did die. And, again, that was... I had another note about, like, the, the time factor there. You know, he's only clinically dead for two minutes, but he's in hell for a lifetime. A spoopy. Beeman also lives in the back of a bowling alley, or at least has his office in the back of a bowling alley. And we went bowling the other week, and I was actually like, I wonder what it looks like back there. And now this is in my head what it looks like at every bowling alley. There's just some guy back there studying the Hell Bible. Um, I got to go back to that one before. When you um, filmed the commercial? Yes. Wow. Um, I did not appreciate that they felt the need to put Rachel Weiss in a white, tiny, tiny t-shirt and black bra and then submerge her in a bathtub of water. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. The male gaze. The male gaze. The male straights. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Not as good as the Robert Langdon bit. (laughs) The line I just, I have not been able to get over the entire movie. Only one? Yes. Which one? The, he's been asking to go sit in this chair all movie. We see the chair. He goes, 
I forgot how big it was in reference to a normal sized chair, a regular chair. And he's just like, wow, forgot how big this chair was. What? What is that line? Why was it included? I can't get over it. It was a normal chair. I can't emphasize it enough. It's an electric chair, but it was not that big. It's not that big. It's like the is a standard electric chair size. I think if someone had that at their dinner table, maybe I would be like, hmm, this chair is slightly bigger. No, it didn't seem bigger. I thought it seemed ever so slightly bigger oh than my a normal God. chair. Uh, watch Constantine. Ignore the rest of it if you want. I don't care. Just get to the get to the scene where there is commentary on the chair and let us know what you think about the chair. Because they also talk about that chair a lot before they ever get to it. <laughs> Basically bust down the door to Midnight's place being like, I want to sit in the chair. I was sad that Beeman died. That guy was a cool bro. He wasn't he wasn't clingy like Shia was. He just wanted to help. Yeah, I also feel like some of Shia's scenes got cut out. I think Because he's like missing for like the middle of the movie and then all of a sudden he's there as like our second hero. He comes back just to die. He I think you're totally right that they cut a lot of his stuff. But I mean, like what was if they weren't gonna have him like in the fight, which clearly they weren't because they were saving that for the end, there's really not much he could have been doing. I also thought that talking about when Rachel Wise is in the bathtub, you know, I get it, but like maybe provide like a little bit of warning on like what the plan is about like the almost drowning. Like, I feel like that's kind of the point though. Did he say you're going to have a near death experience or was he just like get in the bathtub <laughs> and, ah. and go underwater? <laughs> I feel like I she mean, knew what she was signing up for. Yeah. It just kind of seemed like for a minute that she didn't, but I guess that's just kind of like <laughs> your uh, typical reaction to someone trying to drown you, whether you're expecting it or not. I think I, I really lost the thread about Gabriel. I definitely lost the thread about Gabriel. This is what I was like alluding to earlier. Like, what what is Gabriel's deal from the beginning and then what happens at the end here? Like, they are bringing the son of the devil as a way to test something or to just kill. Is that, are they trying to like kill them and like be like, look, daddy, look what I did so for you? Gabriel's whole thing was like, like what, what she was saying was like, you, like, I'm resentful at God because, like, all these people are down here, like, doing the most fucked up stuff imaginable. And yet they're like, they repent and they're being brought into heaven. And Gabriel's like, I don't like that. Like, I don't think no one else has, like, the luxury of that just being like, oh, I'm going to, like, commit crimes and, like, do whatever and then still be admitted through heaven's gates. So the plan is to unleash, uh, Maman, and it would just be like hell on earth, and it's like the the best of the best, like the people that deserve to go to heaven will be the ones that survive. 
Is that true? It's like the, no, of course not. But it's like the classic, like, I, uh, shit, what am I thinking of? I feel like I've seen a movie, I've definitely played a video game, where, like, the villain's overarching goal is to, like, create a world where you have to, like, fight. And you have to be, like, you have to, like, strive to survive and, like, be a good person. And whether it's, like, you know, for, uh, you know, entry into heaven or redemption in a religious way, that's not necessarily always the case. But, like, Gabriel is definitely like, oh, these people aren't worthy, but they're getting into heaven, so I'm going to make it so the only people that are alive are truly worthy. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I just think I missed a line or two. Well, I mean, I think a lot of that work was happening, like, off screen. Like, I thought it was a pretty bold move in a sense to, like, you know, what Constantine and um, Rachel Wise are doing for the whole movie, they're kind of, like, chasing after, like, the grunt, you know. Balthazar is not the one heading up this whole operation. And then we, we find out that, like, you know, Constantine knows that Lucifer and God are, like, pulling the strings behind the scenes, but we don't really see the extent to which to what that is true until the very end of the movie. So I do feel like it kind of intentionally catches you off guard. Because we have all that stuff with, like, Mammon being exercised, but then Gabriel's been around and, like, doing all of this stuff. And, I don't know, it was, it was really interesting. And also, like, I didn't mention it before, I don't think, but in all the scenes where, like, the time factors at play, like, the slow-mo stuff was really cool. And especially, like, with Gabriel, like, about to stab... Right. And then being like kicked out of the way. Like I thought I just I enjoyed that a lot. I also saw that this is not related, but like with the you know, the Spear of Destiny has like Jesus's blood on it. Basically, like that's the yeah. whole thing. Is that like rag that he has that he wraps around his hand mm-hmm. early in the movie? That's um like a piece of Moses's like funeral cloth or something. Interesting. They never said it, but apparently in the DVD commentary, someone is like, oh, yeah, like that's what that's supposed to be. We just never said what it was. I feel like there's a couple things that they couldn't say. Yeah, that's kind of fun to have little Easter eggs like that. Because they also never say, like, Jesus. Right. They say, like, the Son Son of God. So so I'm like, it's interesting, like, what they can and can't invoke (laughs) and why. Um, you said something that made me think of another thing I wanted to say was this whole movie feels like a video game. Like he's, you know, fighting these like low levels going through the world until he finally gets to the big dog. And that is my favorite part of the whole movie is his chat with Lucifer. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Um, yeah, I, I said this like when we finished, I... The little that I knew about this movie, one of the things that I did know is that Peter Stormare was in it and that he played Lucifer. And I was like, well, that's not just going to be a guy that's popping up at any part of the movie. So I was waiting because people were like, oh, like when they announced Constantine 2, people were like, oh, like they got to get this guy to come back. He was by far the best part about the first movie. So like my expectations were pretty high and I quite enjoyed him. Yeah, he was really good. Like, you know, he's in it for, you know, an incredibly small portion of the movie but like very memorable and he played lucifer in like kind of this like threateningly manic villainous way that didn't feel like he was aping any other 
threateningly manic villain. No, he was so his own. Yeah, which just like, I I think this guy put a lot of work into this part. I think he he did his own uh, costume design, I read. Like, Interesting. Like the black stuff like on his feet. That I, was all yeah. his idea. I like that he was wearing white. Yeah. Like it's just very much like not the traditional idea of what Lucifer looks like. And I thought that was really cool. He did a great job. This is also like not an actor that I'm that familiar with. Um, so this is really cool and makes me interested in at least like checking out whatever he whatever else he's been in. He was in 22 Jump Street, <laughs> so I've seen that. <laughs> oh, and The Big Lebowski. He feels like he's from The Big oh, Lebowski. Oh, yeah, I think he's the guy in The Big Lebowski that's like, we'll cut off your Johnson, <laughs> that breaks into the apartment. Yeah, he was really cool, and that whole sequence, it kind of reminded me of like the end of Loki, where like we're meeting this person who's like been kind of like pulling the strings a bit. And but not, he's not. He doesn't yeah, even know what this plan is. That's true. So not yet. Yeah, okay. So not pulling the strings, but like kind of like a, a man behind the curtain type deal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was interesting that he was like, like, what is this? Like, did you really think this is like a good idea? His whole attitude about the whole situation was really cool. And just kind of, it was kind of an opportunity for like the story to like, it gives you like a different perspective on how everything else in the movie played out. It was really cool. I don't think I had anything else to say other than my last night, which it all comes back to smoking. It does. And, and nicotine gum. Also, Rachel Weiss has kind of an anticlimactical end to her thing. She's just like not alive for most of the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. She's kind of like in an in-between state, which is that's too bad. She could have gotten a chance to do something cool, especially because she has her gift back now. Gift, curse, whatever you want to call it. And she's like personally been to hell and we didn't really get to delve too much into that, sadly. Um, I, you know, the whole like Gabriel being abandoned by God that was pretty wild. That was good. And like Lucifer like knows like and just gets to like gloat about it. And like clearly that's another sequel hook, you know, human Gabriel wandering around. And yeah, I just really enjoyed Tilda Swinton in this being like, you could have shot me, John. Look at how much I know, you're she growing. was really funny. Um, that and like, you know, I Lucifer like reaches into Constantine and I, I didn't know what he was doing. I was pretty sure really it was going to come back to the and lungs. And it's like, yep, just remove like, the cancer. I think he's kind of saying like your curse is having to live. Oh, that yeah, absolutely. Like you don't get yeah, you don't get to die. The you get to sweet do this. Reprieve. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. It would be funny if in the sequel he's just smoking again. He's <laughs> like, "Fuck it." Like <laughs> Lucifer's not going to let me die. I feel like they're leaning they're going to lean into the he's you know, addicted to nicotine. <laughs> yeah. He's got his gum. He's covered in nicotine patches. He's like hitting a jewel. Doing hypnotism, <laughs> which I think a lot of people say works for smoking. Well, I think I've heard that too. Um, yeah, I don't, I think I've hit like a lot of the fun facts that I had in mind already. Um, yeah, love the, love the Hellboy connection. Just like a 
Yeah, I just really liked this. And it seems like, for the most part, unexpectedly, it wasn't like played with production issues. Like every other comic book movie at the time, it definitely like took a while to get off the ground. It was supposed to have um, Nick Cage in the lead role. What? And the act or the director, I believe, that was originally attached was like, I can't make the movie I want to make with Nick Cage. <laughs> and then he quit. And then Nick Cage instantly quit. Uh, and of course, you know, went on to do Ghost Rider, <laughs> which we'll get to eventually for the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is disappointing that Alan Moore is like, you know, so disenfranchised with his adaptations. But I actually did forget one of our friends, friend of the pod, Alexi, mentioned the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen to us that had come out like right before this. And also Alan Moore, also notably really like poorly received movie, very troubled. I think everybody hated working on it. <laughs> so, you know, he wasn't having you a string of sell it better. I mean, this makes me want to watch it. Like, and I do think it was like Sean Connery being like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm out. He didn't act in another movie until like before his death after doing that, which is wild. Oh, and also not only was this movie going to be called Hellblazer, but the comic was not even originally called that. It was called Hellraiser. But then the movie Hellraiser came out, so they had to change the comic to Hellblazer. And now I think if they were like, oh, we're making a Hellblazer movie, no one's going to know what the hell we're talking about. Um, and for, for any listeners out there who are um, well-versed in the Arrowverse side of things, uh, obviously, Keanu Reeves' take on John Constantine is the only one that I have seen, but I do know that he pops up in at least... Legends of Tomorrow, if not other shows like The Flash. Um, and I think he, maybe he had his own TV show for a little bit that got canceled. Uh, if you have strong opinions, let me know what you think, because I've heard or rather seen comments about the CW verse Constantine, and people really seem to not be able to get enough of that guy. And I also know that he's blonde. Like, the original Constantine in the comics was supposed to look like Sting. What? <laughs> so, yeah, of course. you know, let me let me know your thoughts. And uh, also let us know your thoughts on Constantine 2. How do you think they're going to broach the religious topics without uh, incurring the wrath of the Catholic Church? Love to know. I don't think they're worried about the wrath. <laughs> no, probably not. All right. Well, this was fun. Yeah, this was um, this was better than I was expecting it yeah, to be. Yeah, I enjoyed sure. watching it. Um, even if I sounded like I was being sassy, I enjoyed it. There's a lot of sassy things to talk about with this, but definitely a fun movie. Yeah, highly recommend if you haven't checked it out, especially in light of the sequel. Makes you just want to go to church, you know, go to confession. Exactly. It's exactly what this makes me want to do. Say the rosary. <laughs> All right, that's ten Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys for everybody. Like the bumper sticker that I see on so many cars around here, save America, pray the rosary. <laughs> and we are <laughs> out of the <laughs> super <Superverse. laughs>